I didn't plan anything for like the little small talk. Oh, I, I have something. Sorry. Uh, what do you got for me, man? So, uh, have you heard of this term, back the blue? Oh, back the blue? Of yeah. course. It's, uh, it's. <laughs> Oh, I know exactly what you're going to talk about. Back the Blue <laughs> is is a saying that's made to support our brave men and women in law enforcement who put their lives on the line every day. And when people want to hold them responsible for the lives they take, we say no. <laughs> you just, just back the blue. Yes. You know, uh, I, some might think yeah. it means backing Blue's Clues, but um, that would be much much better than what this actually uh, is. Which we are. Uh, Blue's yeah. Clues matter, as we all know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I bring this up because um, there is a NYPD officer who died uh, in a town near me. And uh, they decided to have like this big funeral for him, right? This, this like big, uh, big ceremony. They were gonna, some might even call it a parade. They were gonna like block a bunch of streets off. They were gonna have thousands of like police officers come. And, Each of them uh, makes a float based on different themes. <laughs> yes, of course. They had, they had like a party clown making like cop balloons. It was pretty cool. No, uh, and and they decided to do this right, and, and uh, they actually shut down two schools because they were going to be blocking all the streets, and, and you know, like they do for for police officers. And, and this police officer was killed by a drunk driver, which you know that sucks. And obviously, yeah, from not what gonna... I understand, yeah, it was you know it was a tragic death. You know, it was, it was all over the news and shit. Yeah, and I'm yeah, not going to fucking support a drunk driver. Yeah. Like fuck them, they're an yeah. asshole. They shouldn't have killed somebody you know and like his death sucks and i know he had two little kids and he was married etc etc like i'm not here to talk shit about you know about who he is you know even if i fucking hate the cops but what what i'm here to talk about is the fact that uh so there's this nursery right and it's next door to i guess a, a, a fire station and they wanted to use his parking lot uh to like basically like hang this giant flag right like between like multiple trucks and they were also going to use it as an overflow lot for people going to this this funeral this ceremony and uh the guy initially said no and, and, and you know some people might think that's kind of heartless uh he's a white man the guy who owns the the nursery he never said anything about being anti-cop but uh it is the week of mother's day right and i i think it's safe to say that probably the busiest uh week of the year for his for his job, for his business, is probably Mother's Day. You know, people. Are I mean, I wouldn't know Ty, but from what I understand, many people do still have moms. And, oh shit! And Sorry, they do, <laughs> they do enjoy. It's close uh, They do enjoy buying uh, flowers for their for their. Yeah, mothers yeah. These days. If your if your mom are okay. still here, you might get Sorry, her a plant. I haven't been even, a son for so long. <laughs> you may even go to this nursery. Uh, so you know, the guy said no, and uh, basically the local community fucking bullied the shit out of him. Um, and all the local like uh, online groups and Facebook groups and all this shit, they all bullied him and said they were gonna fucking get him closed down. And no one was ever gonna shop there again. And you know if he doesn't back the blue, then he's an enemy. And this this was going on and on and like became like a whole thing where he actually had to like block his his the the parking lot with his own truck so that people wouldn't park in there anyway. And like they were going back and forth, and I think like two days went by, and he finally like got bullied into saying yes. So he came out and he apologized, and he was saying he said something along the lines of like, you know, it was just a knee-jerk reaction. You know, it's just, you know, it's a, it, we're during uh, the pandemic. You know, I lost a lot of business because of COVID, and you know, I'm just trying to survive. And uh, you know, the idea of shutting down for two days for this ceremony was just, uh, you know, was a lot because two days they wanted to basically shut his parking lot down for two days. 
so they can park this fucking flag there and stuff. And, uh, you know, he was like, I just, you know, I was worried about my business. So, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not anti-cop. I just, you know, I was just thinking about that. And people are still fucking not over it. They're like, they're like too little, too late. You know, you're, you're done. Like people are really just fucking bashing this guy. And so they had this, this big funeral yesterday. They closed off several, several roads in my area. Um, they, they had like giant flags, like hang all over from like trucks all over the place. And like the whole thing just seems really ridiculous to me. Right. So first of all, our money, our taxpayer money is going towards, you know, basically funding all these cops to, to do this. And again, it's a tragic, you know, death, but like if, if you or I were killed by a drunk driver, would they do this for us? Probably not. Right. Uh, I mean, they might, I don't know. Maybe they would I for mean, you. <laughs> more o- for me. Yes, they absolutely would. For you, Ty, you mean probably, nothing to Probably not. No, I agree. I mean nothing. They fucking hate me. We're all aware of this. Community yes. hates me, but they you know, do. and it's like they're always like, "Well, he's a hero." You know, he put his life on the line. Okay, so he fucking knew he might die, so it's even less of a reason to do this shit. If I get killed, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to save lives. I'm just trying to go to work, man, or, or like pick up dinner. So that's like the way the way I see it. If I were to get into the uh, the mindset of a cop, right, is uh, you you serve and protect, you uphold the law, so that people can go on living their lives. Uh, so whereas, you know, let's say I'm a cop and I die in the line of duty uh, or I'm a cop and I die at all. Right. I would not want my, you know, my funeral or my memorial to be such an inconvenience to the town around me, you know, in a yeah. time when small businesses are struggling so much. You know, I would not want my name to be used to to bully a small business owner or to shut down schools or, you know, I, if, in my mind, I lay my life down every day for the American dream so that a kid can go to school and get that education instead of having to not get it because, you know, while people want to show their respects and that's an amazing thing, you know, it doesn't have to be a spectacle. Let the man's legacy speak for himself. Well said. I mean, that's exactly how I feel. You know, why why are we going to, you know, put someone's livelihood in danger or, you know, uh, totally up, uproot uh, a family's day? You know, what if what if there's no one home to take care of those kids and now they don't have school? So the parents have to figure out, are they going to stay home from work? Are they going to hire a babysitter? You know, what, what are they going to do? And... Uh, yeah, there's just so many things about it that I'm just like, this is ridiculous. And my last, my last thought was where the hell are all these cops? Like, are they all off duty or are they just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, good luck with crime today. We're all going to this funeral. Cause there was like thousands of them. I'm like, that man, was if, the, I was a, if I was a criminal, I would have fucking, prime time. dude, I would have gone <laughs> fucking ape shit, man. Like, I would have been like, let's do this. <laughs> It was like in Avatar The Last Airbender when Sozin's Comet uh, allows firebenders to be at their strongest. Uh, that would have been the day to commit the most crime. I like, don't get the <laughs> reference, but... Uh, all the Avatar The Last Airbender listener do. I said listener because out of all of you, one of you probably has Only one of you is. But yeah, it's just like, I'm like, I'm like damn, like they really, they, they, I guess crime isn't so bad. I want to be like, do we really need all these cops if they all have time to come to this funeral? Because it, it doesn't seem like we do. Uh, but, man, you got you to see, like, the posts people are putting out. One person was like, this is just like just like after 9-11. The communities come together. We haven't done this in a long time where we love everyone. You know, black, white, 
you know, male, female, gay, straight, Muslim. And I was like, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. After 9-11, you're saying there wasn't a bunch of fucking racism towards Muslims because we know there was. So that's some bullshit, first of all. But, yeah, they, I mean, the posts are ridiculous. They're just like, this is, you know, we, we backed the blue forever. I mean, a, a true hero has died. And my favorite was he, this one girl's like, um, you know, a, a, a wonderful man has died. You know, he was a real savior. I didn't know him, but... <laughs> And I'm just like, so how do you know he's so wonderful? Uh, like John Walker. Even though I never met the original Captain America, yeah. I feel like we're brothers. <laughs> yep, exactly. Like, like uh, I, I feel like I would have liked this guy if I knew him. That that ideology is is very toxic, as we know, and it, and it you know it stinks that I just think as a country our self esteem is so low that uh, we will back uh, state funded stormtroopers or murderers or whatever you want to call them uh, because it makes us feel like we're we're free when we we're, we're really not and you know this goes into last week's housekeeping perfectly it goes into today's conversation uh, perfectly as well because we're I think uh, we're gonna have a lot to say about about law enforcement in general but uh but yeah just you know, the the ideology surrounding law enforcement is uh is very toxic in that you know it uh, you either support us or you don't you know and it doesn't yep. matter you know who this cop was what they did you know uh and and even if they like they were a good person and a good cop and everything like we we have to we have to all of a sudden you know treat it as if it's a you know a national tragedy uh, and I'm not saying not to, but like, yeah, there are those people who like put it on scale with something like like 9/11 or, um, or some world changing event. And obviously, I believe that every person matters, but I think that that person is just being put uh, put. You know, that person is uh, another bit of kindling to throw into the flame of that ideology. You know, a year from now, that you know his name won't matter to these people. You know, but every time a cop dies, they're going to say, that's why we don't reform the police, because cops die. Exactly. You know, you know, every time a cop dies, it's a threat to our freedom. It's a threat to America. And, you know, that's why we always have to back the blue, no matter what they do. Me and you. <laughs> blue and your clues. Blue, all right. Blue, all right. Yeah, blue and your clues. <laughs> but can you Full imagine like, if, if, like, Black Lives Matter had, like, tried to do that, you know, had this big, like, parade, and they were like, hey, can we use your parking lot? And the guy was like, no. Like, do you think that they would have fucking canceled him the same way these people who supposedly hate cancel culture would have, you know, I just feel like it, it's, well, it's the just guy, ridiculous. The, I mean, the, the community would have rallied to the guy's help. Like, you know, probably like, they would have been like, yeah, fuck these guys. This guy literally probably has no alignment and he's just like trying to fucking own a business. And in an alternate timeline, you know, black lives matter is like, we're, we're holding a, a funeral for an activist that was shot down. Uh, you know, can we use, you know, your parking lot for overflow or something or for a speech, you know, from from this, you know, leader. And he'd be like, ah, you know, no thanks. And then, like, you know, they would be like, oh, it sucks that happened. We'll find another place. But then the local, the community would be like, like, fuck them. You know, they, you know, these terrorists are trying to take over this guy's business. <laughs> <laughs> every, yep. every Long Islander is that Italian dude from Spider-Man 1 uh, now. <laughs> you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. You gonna pick on a guy trying to save a bunch of kids? Uh, that was a very formative film in my life. Yes, um, yes. Uh, not formative enough for me to uh, remember the first line of the film over you. However, that constant disagreement we had that you were proven right about every time. Was I really? 
Yeah, the story of my life is not for the faint of heart. And I always thought it was my story is not for the faint of heart. And you were like, dude, I'm sure it's the story of my <laughs> life. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, oh, that's I, hilarious. Let's see if your intuition serves you well now. How many new reviews do you think we have to read this week? I would say one minus one. Absolutely correct. Your intuition served you well. One minus one, uh, zero. Uh, but if you want a review read in your name at the top of the podcast, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts and uh, leave us a five-star review. Many folks have decided to critique us while also leaving five-star reviews, which absolutely- yeah, ne- Neg us a little bit. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, neg us. Make us, make us earn it, you know? Uh, mystery is out there. Uh, but- um. But yes, uh, we will also mention your name and shout you out if you're into that. Uh, but if not, that's okay. Just letting you all know also that you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts and just subscribe, rate, and review means a lot to us. Uh, but with that, we are ready to get into our first Bat Month episode. Ty, you ready to bring in that theme song? I'm ready to bring it in. <laughs> Back to the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we read between the lines of our favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. ACAB, All Cops Are Batman, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. the Soy Boy Pseudo-Intellectual, and in the second seat, as always, is my lovely co-host, Ty. Uh, hello, hello. <laughs> All right. Now, Ty, this is our first episode of Bat Month. Uh, we decided to take it upon ourselves since... Batman Day is in the month of May, rhyme unintentional, uh, that uh, that we were going to do an entire month long of Batman episodes. A very popular decision uh, just after May the 4th, uh, <laughs> Star Wars Day, <laughs> which is not, I wouldn't even say just an international holiday, but an intergalactic holiday, and we have not acknowledged it at all. No, we haven't. I mean, listen, we did, we did uh, Rogue One, you know, and Star Wars is kind of divisive these days, right? I mean... People, people hate the new trilogy or they love it, and uh, I fucking hated it, so I wasn't feeling <laughs> Star Wars this year. That's right. It's a personal thing. I picked Batman month because uh, Batman Day is just not enough, and we really love Batman. And uh, I did watch Bad Batch, and uh, nice. that batch was bad. Uh, oh really? No, no, in a good way. In a good way. Oh, that, that's one oh. bad batch. You know, oh, like okay. Shaft, it sounds like you're like it was bad. Eesh. It's awesome. After you after you finish Clone Wars, go go to this, and you will. They, oh, they do great. You're exposing they, my narrative, guys. I have like a season and a half left. It's not like I haven't watched any Clone. He's Wars. a fucking casual. All right, folks. and I have the entire Gendry uh, Tavarsky, however you say his name, and did Samurai Jack. I have his whole Clone Wars on DVD. Gendy Tartakovsky. Right? Yeah, that's how you say it. Gendry Baratheon. <laughs> Kira Toriyama. Um, yeah, you know what? I also have it. It's on Disney Plus. You casual son of a bitch. It, uh, guess what? It was. It wasn't on Disney Plus at first. No, they just they just put it up. Someone. Yeah. I know they just put it up. So yeah. anyway, I just I just want people to know I do love Star Wars. I'm sorry. He he really does, folks. The name Jason Solo never would have left my lips if I hadn't if I hadn't met this handsome son of a bitch on the other uh, side thanks. of the podcast. Thanks, guy. All right, so. We are reviewing Sean Murphy's Batman 
White Knight and Curse of the White Knight uh, series. And I'll also throw in a little bit about uh, Harley Quinn, which is a series within that universe, uh, which I haven't finished, but I read a couple of issues, so I can speak to that a little bit at the end. Uh, but this is at the beginning of Batman month, and this is, you know, this is, uh, this is rough for me because I am a huge Batman fan. Uh, ever since I was 18 years old, <laughs> um, but uh, but I made up for for a lot of lost time, and a lot of this podcast is going to be a lot of this whole month is going to be me viewing Batman through a more critical lens than I ever have before, uh, and I think you know in order for us to enjoy the lore of Batman, we have to accept a lot of stuff. We have to suspend a lot of disbelief, and that is that whatever version of the DC universe law and justice system there is uh it works best when batman is involved because in our world it definitely would not uh anything else we want to add to that disclaimer ty no i mean i think uh we're going to discuss a lot of the problems with batman and bruce wayne uh but i think you know the idea behind batman is you know that law enforcement doesn't work right and that that's why Batman exists. He had to create something that would protect the people because the police weren't. And I think we can all agree that we would love to have somebody kind of looking out for us right now as police continue to, to brutalize, you know, uh, black people in particular, but, but people of, of all types here in the United States. So, uh, you know, we'll say that, but we're, we're definitely going to we're going to tear Batman apart. Don't worry. Yeah, uh, we we really are, especially you know as we're looking at this through a, a, a more anti-capitalist lens, and um, I I do want to I do want to give it a lot of props, and I will throughout it, but you know this is the second Sean Murphy piece that we are reviewing. We did Punk Rock Jesus uh, last month, so 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 not long ago at all. And, you know, we really commended him on the, the fact that he could write and draw. And this is, is a whole other level that, that, that he brings to the table in taking DC's, one of DC's biggest characters, I was going to say DC's biggest character, uh, arguably, and, and, and really turning it on its head. And he got to make his own canon for this. Like, this takes all of the best parts or the most favorite parts of, of the writer and puts them together. So he'll take from the animated series. He'll take from the 89 version with Tim Burton. Uh, you know, he'll take from various parts of the, lo- of the lore and, and, and put them in here. And, uh, and he does so in a way that it's, it's fresh and, um, you know, and it allows for, for, for a unique story. So for those of you who are new to this, just know that this isn't really taking from, it's not going to fit in with any of the canon or the Batman. Yeah, it's not main so. continuity at all, but I think it's the modern Batman tale we kind of needed. Yes, and this came out when? I want to say 2016? Batman White Knight came out in 2017, and they finished in 2018. So I guess, you know, because it was issued, uh, you know, releases issues, obviously, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it started in October. I remember that because when it was releasing, that's that's when I met Sean Murphy at Comic Con uh, back right. when we could be around humans, and uh, it was around the time of my birthday. And I remember I got five issue ones. Um, <laughs> I got like yeah, I got like two that were signed by him. Guys, you can buy them. Let me know. Find us at politipodcast at gmail dot <laughs> um, uh, They they are they are near mint condition, if not mint, because I've really never uh, touched them. I got uh, 
I got two that were personalized to me, and then I got a special like variant cover that only he was selling. Uh, that was also I got that too. To me. I think yes. I got that too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but but I, and I'm also going to say this at the top too, in case I forget later on that you know, just as an artist, and I and I know that you as a reader, you know, we both really appreciate uh, Sean Murphy's style, and and just seeing him finally get to work on Batman because he's worked on Batman a couple times, but this is like he takes such a unique approach in giving him uh, chaps and uh, weightlifting gloves <laughs> and these tiny little you know blades on his forearm. Like he look, he would look terrible if we saw him in real life. Like he would look like a ridiculous Batman. Yeah. But his style alone just really makes it uh, makes it work. And, and, and props to DC for uh, for allowing a story like this to be told. You know because. I think they touch on some really political and, uh, you know, economical stuff that I don't know if all comic readers would be ready for to embrace. But overall, it you know, I think it was received pretty positively and, and got some really good reviews. And I remember at the time I was like, oh, this is, you know, kind of relevant. It doesn't hit you over the head with it. But like reading it again, I mean, it's really hard to miss the like to to miss the allegory uh, that 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 Murphy's making here, but but uh, the one thing I didn't expect was in reading it again to view Batman as the police, yeah, and that's that's how I went into it this time. Uh, but I think you know before we get into it uh, any any more, Ty, do you want to give them the plot? Set in a world where the clown prince of crime has been cured of his madness, Batman White Knight follows the man now known as Jack Napier as he embarks on a quest to heal the city he once terrorized. After reconciling with his long-suffering partner, Harley Quinn, he sets in motion a carefully plotted campaign to discredit the one person whom he views as Gotham City's true enemy, Batman. His crusade exposes a decades-long history of corruption within the Gotham City Police Department and transforms Napier into a city councilman and civic hero. But when the sins of his past return to threaten everything that he has accomplished, the distinctions between Savior and Destroyer begin to break down for both the Joker and Batman alike, and with them any hope for Gotham's future. And I feel like that's a good enough uh, for for Curse too. I'm not gonna. That's I'm the gonna, podcast, baby. That's, yeah, that's I'm not, really I'm not gonna read uh, the description of Curse because I feel like it's it's a continuation of that plot. One thing we have to we also have to realize in this canon is that the Joker never really committed any crimes other than robbing a bank, of which he did ten years for. And since then, the GCPD has has made it their goal to uh you know to I want to say disenfranchise, but. While I was learning a little bit about gentrification uh, for this podcast, just to make sure I could at least use the word correctly, let alone maybe explain it to you listeners, uh, once again, uh, well, not once again, but the first time this episode, uh, we will have all of our sources and things that we're referencing in our show notes and sources, which you can find at politipoppodcast.wordpress.com. So if there's anything that you'd wish for us to expound upon, you can visit our show notes and sources yeah, in order let to us know. don't let us know. Visit our show notes and sources. I do I do want to uh I do want to throw out there he did kidnap a child and, and assault him though. I know like he didn't go to jail for but it. But he was but. never convicted of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I just want everyone to know that. Um yeah, uh the guy who the the key witness in his case uh ended up hanging himself in his uh maximum security prison cell. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he left the, the letters DT scribbled in blood at the crime scene, which is like, don't tell, you know, something like that. But uh, but yeah, so while I was learning a bit about gentrification, 
they kept using this word, which was disinvestment instead of disenfranchisement. And I really like that term because that's really what we're trying to say, right? That like, and this is what the, the, the story is trying to tell us as well, is that there are certain neighborhoods and certain communities in which people invest in and other ones in which people don't invest in. And that's what we mean when we say disenfranchisement. Uh, so, you know, the the Joker is a, is a disenfranchised individual in this story, and therefore he's able to connect with the, with the rest of them. Um, I, I think that if I were to view this, you know, if we're looking at themes or, or direct allegories, I would, I would view Jack Napier as, like, the people, you know, as the disenfranchised. And then, you know, we have Batman, in my opinion, is the is the police did you want to go through story-wise did you want to go through character-wise how are you feeling this mr ty i mean let's let's you know let's uh discuss what you just mentioned you know why how do you view batman as the police because i I mean i kind of see where you're coming from but it is interesting because in the story he's at odds with the police for kind of the first time since the beginning of like the batman mythos right like he he refuses to join them and, and work with this whole new plan that they have set up um, where they're working with like some of his allies. So, you know, how, how do you view him as the police? All right. So I know that uh, and thank you for pointing it out that it's it's a weird distinction to make because there are literal police in the actual story. <laughs> yeah. uh, but here here's how Batman represents the police. And it is that he doesn't know the damage that he's doing. Uh, we see that that at the beginning of the story, he's chasing down the Joker, who at this point is just out of Arkham. Like, that's the only thing he's done. He stole a scooter. And Batman's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, so he, you know, <laughs> he's trying to apprehend the Joker. He's going on rooftops, you know, which we'll talk about that in next week's uh, episode as well. Uh, that's where that thing originates. And, uh, and you know, he's he's injuring people at construction sites all to find the Joker, all to all to get this guy. And and just that first bit there kind of reminds me of how, you know, every time a black man runs away, that he has to be shot, even though he's not really posing a threat, that it's like we the, the what's important is that this person listens to us and that we catch them by any means necessary because we don't want our authority to be to be in question. And I think that that's a big part of Batman's character in this story. He's not the most perfect Batman. And honestly, I'm here for it. Uh, so we have him you know, really just caring about getting the Joker, regardless of what the Joker has actually done. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's the brutality angle. We see that he, you know, he beats the living shit out of the Joker at the beginning. Uh, you know, the po- the actual police, all they do is watch. It's recorded on camera. And as Batman is shoveling pills down the Joker's throat, the last two words he says before passing out are, uh, can't breathe. So I'm like, oh, Okay, uh, but just bat not not even just in the story in particular. I mean, kind of you know led by it, but b- the Batman lore as a whole is problematic in the fact that this this boy has taken it upon himself to wage a one man war against crime, and depending on the lore, like in the Nolan trilogy, which we'll talk about next week, he says that he lost a lot of. Um, preconceptions about the difference between right and wrong when he first had to steal so he wouldn't starve but we don't know that that this is a batman who's ever done that that all the comic book batmans are aware of that all we know is that they want to stop crime because crime took uh their family i'm sorry i'm talking about multiple batman uh but there's a lot of (laughs) multiverses sorry but batman wants to stop crime because quote-unquote crime took his family but what really took his family was the desperation 
that creates crime. What really took his family was the terrible conditions in Gotham City. Being a young white male of privilege, he cannot reconcile with that. And and just as the same as the, you know, in this story, you know, Batman is doing, is in his war on crime is actually benefiting the 1%. He's benefiting the rich and the, and the, and the wealthy who are really pulling the strings and benefiting from his war on the poor. Because who commits crimes in Gotham? The poor people do. And obviously very well-educated uh, super criminals um, <laughs> who are a bit unhinged. <laughs> but other than that, it's, you know, it's your, you know, your people, you know, this dude trying to pay his rent. So he works for the penguin and then he gets his fucking wrist broken, you know, for being lookout. Like, you know, it's the poor of Gotham and Batman really can't see that. And, you know, no, Murphy, can't. you know, Murphy recognizes that it's been recognized in the animated series uh, from which he's drawing a lot of reference in which you remember the day that Dick, Gr- uh, that Dick Grayson left Batman. You know, it was uh, one of the things that that led to that happening was Batman just beating the shit out of this guy in front of his kid and not realizing that he needed the money to provide for his family. Right. I feel like I've said enough. What do you have, Ty? Give it. No, to I, I, I think that's some really uh, good observations. And I think one of the things that makes Jack so effective, right, uh, in, in this comic is that he kind of gets in the trenches with with the people. Um you know, he, he goes to, you know, uh, backport. Yes. Backport. Thank you. And he, yep. and he goes there and he, and he, he talks to the people there, right? Like he, he literally goes there himself. He doesn't send somebody. He doesn't, you know, make empty promises. He actually goes there. He gets to know the people that live there. He figures out how to help them, how to build better community centers and, and things that will actually help the neighborhood. And this is something that Bruce Wayne could have been doing his almost his entire life, right? I mean, he's been a billionaire his whole life and he inherited this money very young. Uh, and he obviously, you know, I, I would say Bruce Wayne is not a bad person by any means. You know, he he thinks he's doing the right thing, right? He's, he In his mind, he is the hero. And and his his way of doing it is by dressing like a bat and beating the shit out of criminals. But, you know, if he well, had actually taken the time, <laughs> right? He had actually taken the time to to get to know these people and and put money back into the community and this is you know i think a, an argument we see all the time uh especially for abolishing the police right like one of the ways that people say you can do this is if you make it so that homelessness and uh and poverty are not the bottom line or not the uh the thing you have to worry about if everyone knows they're going to have you know like health care and a home and they're going to you know have their basic needs met a lot of crime will disappear because a lot of people are forced into crime, right, to make ends meet. You know, whether it's joining a gang or robbing a place or whatever, it's because because they just don't have what they need. And I think you know that that would cut it down tremendously. And this is something that Bruce Wayne could do for his city. You know, not maybe not for the whole country, but he could definitely do it for Gotham City. He he could he can make Gotham City uh, a, a utopia if he really wanted to. And, and truly make a difference in the lives of these people. And how many times throughout, you know, Batman comics do we see all these, like, like you know, like the goons, right? The thugs that are working for, like, Harvey Dent and, uh, and, and the Joker and Penguin. They're all just trying to make money. Like, they just need some money. Like, they're, always, they're, not, they're not really, like, trying to be, like, supervillains. They're just like, oh, I heard you pay well. You know, and I need money to put, to put you know, food on my table. Um, and, and this is something that, you know, Jack definitely gets. And... 
he uses it. He kind of weaponizes it against Batman, you know. And Jack does a lot of good, but he also is very manipulative. It turns out, uh, you know, as as the as the story goes along, and he yes. kind of uses this. He turns the people against Batman for his own benefit. But at the end of the day, you know, you could argue it's and justify the means because he exposes a lot of a lot of corruption, uh, and he also does really help a lot of people. Um, we also find out that you know. As as intelligent as Batman as Bruce Wayne is, there's a lot of things going on under under his own you know his under his nose that he's not realizing right like uh, you know the the way the money's being spent in Gotham and and the fact that there's you know a fund basically set up to pay for the damages of Batman you know like it's it's costing all this money to to repair the the homes and. Uh, you know the city after Batman fucking destroys it because he doesn't care about driving on someone's roof or breaking through their window or uh, you know blowing something up in their neighborhood. Like he he does he doesn't see the bigger picture. It's he's very you know it's black and white with him. Uh, and whoever he's going after, he's going to stop at nothing to get them. And you know we see this in the very beginning with with the Joker, and this you know ultimately leads to. Jack using this to to kind of show that Batman is destructive and not helping Gotham City. In fact, he's making it worse. Yeah, the Batman devastation, uh, the Batman devastation fund really speaks to me because about how it's constantly siphoning money from taxpayers in order to uh, clean up damage that's that's been created. But like you know, to me, it's kind of like how. You know, we are always, as taxpayers, giving ridiculous amounts of money to the police and the military just to continuing, uh, dis- like, dis- their destruction of poor communities. Right. And, um, you know, so if we, if we do go with that analogy of, like, you know, Batman is a cop, like, yeah. And also, the you know, these 1%, they are using, uh, you know, they're using Batman's war on crime to to gentrify neighborhoods you know he ruins a neighborhood and then they come in buy it at you know dirt cheap because nobody's going to want to live there you know they renovate it they build it up and then they you know they sell it at an incredible profit margin like you know so so batman just by like he's creating more crime because he's creating more poor people and i you know it's just once again like you said he has good intentions but he would never realize this he would be the one who says joe chill killed my parents you know depending on what universe you want to go into and he would say that joe chill is a bad guy criminals are bad guys but not what you know what created joe chill the desperation that created him uh, you know, he would never think to put the money back into the community or to, you know, or to provide his resources to the the Gotham City Police Department. And, you know, you mentioned how their relationship is tenuous at best. But at this point in the comic book, we see that they've been working together for so long. Like, you know, he he wouldn't he wouldn't help out his buddy Jim Gordon, who's who's putting his life on the line every day. Like he wouldn't be like, hey, dude, here's a fucking bat suit. Like, like well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been something. holding back all of this advanced tech and weaponry. Uh, not, not that I, you know, I would agree with arming the police department department like this, but you know, let's say for argument's sake that Jim Gordon Gotham City were, Police Department in this comic book specifically. Folks, yeah, you know, Jim Gordon is a good guy, right? He's a, he he really want you know they always kind of portray Jim Gordon as someone who wants to make a difference. You know, he believes in helping people. He doesn't stand for corruption. He doesn't take bribes, right? Like he he's very true to his character. And he's always kind of felt that he needs to work with Batman because he can't trust the people in his own department. And 
the fact that, you know, after all these years working together, that Batman still doesn't trust him enough to provide this kind of, you know, assistance uh, is pretty telling of the distrustful nature, I think, that just Bruce has in general. And, you know, after after the police department kind of turns against him, um, you know, we, we see actually like Batman's family, right? Like Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, and Dick Grayson, Nightwing begin to work with within the police department, right? And they, you know, they start utilizing the, the resources of Batman and, uh, you know, giving it to the police department and working within its ranks and trying to make a difference there. And, you know, an argument can be made, I, I think, both ways for whether or not that's good or bad. But, uh, you know, if, if I think at the end of the day, if you're trying to stop crime and you really want to stop it, you know, legally for the most part, you probably need to help provide evidence, um, things that will stand up in a court of law. Because, you know, as far as it seems, Batman just beats the shit out of people and leaves them like, yeah. You know. <laughs> leaves them. He doesn't even leave it like, oh, here's the crime he was committing. He's just like. Yeah, like imagine like being a cop, like, what the fuck do I do with this? Like, what the like, fuck? <laughs> There's just assault victims all over the place. Yeah, and they just keep throwing them into, like, fucking Arkham Asylum uh. and Blackgate Prison, the most uh, terrible fucking places ever that Batman yeah, could totally pay... use his money to to fix and make more secure and better yeah. doctors. Like, they pay the security so bad there that, like, it takes nothing to bribe them to let people out. Uh, you know, but I, I like that you mentioned that, that Dick and Barbara end up working with the GCPD because... You know, that's another distinction we we have to make is that Barbara is the daughter of a cop and Dick was a circus boy like he you know, he is working class. So they see things from a much different uh, viewpoint than Bruce ever could uh, or, or would even want to see. And, yeah, you know, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they make that pretty clear that, you know, even though Dick was raised by Bruce, he's never had that silver spoon mentality, right? Like, he's he's very much, and I think he's always kind of betrayed this way as somebody who has to do things for himself, you know, doesn't just like handouts. He like he likes to, you know, to to earn earn things. He's even been portrayed as a police in, in other comics, uh, you know, and, and, you know, he very much doesn't see the world the way Bruce does. And I think Bruce is just, uh, you know, you would you would kind of sometimes associate those with the police, you know, being too violent. But Bruce is very violent. Batman is extremely violent, and I think he's almost too violent even for his own Bat family, right? They just like they they think he goes too far, and he's he's taking his his war on crime to the next level, you know. And and there's more to it than just that, right? There's also we find out the guilt that Bruce has that Jason Todd was abducted by Joker, and he never found out what happened to him. He doesn't know if he's alive or dead. The Joker never told him. So there's always that that kind of and you know, also that Alfred's dying too. We find out that that's another yeah. reason why like Bruce is a little more unhinged in this. Yeah, there's a lot of things eating at him. You yeah. know, that his his own failures that are kind of uh, unfortunately being manifested in the way he he takes on crime and uh, he he unfortunately does this in front of cameras. He does it in front of people. He does it in front of everybody. He doesn't really seem to to care who sees him you know, brutalize people left and right. So it, it obviously does not work out well for him in the public eye. Well, that's, you know, that's the other, that's the scary thing about Batman is that the cops won't hold him accountable. So who holds this guy accountable? Who holds this person accountable who has all of the resources in the world, all of this tech, all of these weapons? Like, you know, 
it could t- it could take a very bad day and he's a very different type of protector and i think that that is you know that's the most frightening part um you know, I want to I want to read this this bit from uh, Napier, which once again, amazing that they let him use the name Jack Napier, uh, which was an original for the 1989 uh, Batman film. Uh, amazing hmm. that they let him use it. But uh, Jack Napier, formerly the Joker, has, you know, gone sane. He's on his meds. He hit the books and he's now pleading for his for his freedom. And he says, truth is, I was just a kid from the country who wanted to be a Gothamite. And when things didn't work out. I screwed up and robbed a bank. I served 10 years for my crime, but they didn't want to release me. Because to them, I wasn't just a criminal, I was an excuse. My reputation and unstable mental condition made me a perfect candidate for their scheme. They claimed to give me meds and therapy, but really, they were making me worse, turning me into the boogeyman they needed. That way the gatekeepers could get more money from Gotham. They created a new source of revenue, a booming industry no one had ever considered. Crime, and I want to stop there uh, real quick, uh, but I'm going to continue. That right there, you know, speaks to you know our entire justice system. How it's always about not helping the criminals, but about you know just holding them. And you know the the prison industrial complex is a very real thing, and it and it profits off of imprisoning people. Majority, you know, uh, uh, black and brown people. Uh, you know, they are imprisoned at last I checked three times the rate as those of white people. And you know, you can bet your ass that a lot of those white people probably aren't in great financial situations as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know and that that this entire justice system, the uh, the recidivism rate is so high because it's not meant uh, to reform anybody. It's meant to keep it a revolving door. So the Joker right here is very representative of that, at least in my reading of this. Uh, let me get back to this part. He says, and each time the city questioned the exorbitant funding, the gatekeepers let the Joker escape, reigniting tax tax paper, reigniting taxpayer (laughs) fear. And soon they had enough to build their crown jewel, turning old Fort Arkham into Arkham Asylum. I might have put on the eyeliner, but but Arkham created the Joker. I'm not the only victim here. We all are. The gatekeepers convinced us that Gotham was a special city with special problems, that due process didn't work in Gotham. And for years, we've accepted this uneasy pact while they made this into a city of fear, where corruption is spread all the way to the top, a place where vigilantism has been normalized. Um, you know, so I, I, I think that's, you know, that's, that's pretty poignant stuff right there, that, you know, there are certain communities that they don't really care about making better. Uh, they are, you know communities which they you know they continually make worse how many people go in prison and come out worse than they were before and it's like this is why we need more police because of these psychos because of all these criminals because of all these you know of of all these savages who are out on the streets that's why we need more police and we need more funding and we need more prisons and we need more locks and uh, we need the death penalty like it's it's so easy to parade that stuff out in front of us once again while ignoring the cause of these things and say all right, well, I have this hammer to beat down the nail, you know, but you're not, you know, you're not worrying about the analogy fell apart after the nail, but you know, <laughs> where, the, where does the nail come from? Damn it. Maybe it wanted to be a screw its whole life That's and you right. turned it into a nail. Sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Napier is, I mean, he's really interesting in, in this, in this work. And I think, uh, he's, he's most interesting in, in maybe his interactions with Harley Quinn, because, we kind of find out that there's two Harley Quinns. There's the one that he's most currently been working with as the Joker. 
Um, but it, but it, she's not the original, right? The original Harley Quinn was was the doctor who I think met him in Arkham and uh, you know fell in love with him. But they actually haven't been together for for some time now, and he basically replaced her uh, with you know this very young kind of sexy Harley Quinn that's been more portrayed. Uh, of late, you know, with Margot Robbie and, and those kind of, uh, you know, appearances of her. But, uh, you know, th- there's kind of this... Although Robbie does seem to be reclaiming a more authentic version of Harley Quinn after Birds of Prey and putting herself into it. Just want to put that out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll see uh, We'll see what Suicide <laughs> Squad 2 or 3 or whatever the, the fuck Suicide it is shows. Squad. Yeah. <laughs> whatever they're calling it with John Cena. Uh, we'll see how she's portrayed. But, um, yeah, you know, and... and but we won't see she... John Cena. Okay, sorry. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, John Cena. Yeah, so you know the way these two Harley, Harley Quinns kind of view him is is very interesting to me. You know, the, the newer one loves the Joker. She wants this this chaotic, you know, anarchist, and and will do whatever it takes to kind of get him back. And the original, you know, Harleen Harleen Quinzel, the Doctor, she wants Jack Napier. You know, she actually is in love with him. Um, and you know, I, I think, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but she mentions how, you know, she kind of always saw, saw that part of him, even when he was the Joker and she always believed that, you know, he was in there, um, and that she could kind of, you know, help him find who he truly was again. I want to take this moment just to, uh, just to bring it up because, you know, Joker and Harley's relationship has, has been under scrutiny, especially since, you know, Harley did go live action with Suicide Squad. And um, and, you know, I just want to say that their dynamic in this book is uh, is, you know, is is great to read, but also it's very telling. I can speak as uh, as somebody who has been a toxic partner in the past, um, you know, that, you know, it's very easy for people to cling on to the good parts of you, even though you're not the same person, you know. But also, I think that it says a lot that Harleen Quinzel, the original Harley Quinn, left and yeah. and you know she likes the healthy version she likes jack napier and as somebody who's also been going through a lot of mental health issues uh turns out my entire life uh <laughs> only been aware of it the past year that jack napier isn't desirable because he's perfect and he no longer has issues he's desirable because he's working on himself and yeah. because he is willing to be that best part of himself for his family uh, so, you know, just 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 keep that in mind when we, you know, just when you think about the Joker, when you think about your own relationships, past, present, future, and when we think about their relationship specifically in in this comic book, you know, I think they, you know, or in this story, whatever you want to call it, uh, in this piece, this work, uh, they, you know, they do a pretty good job of representing a healthier dynamic, uh, one that's a bit more give and take, one that's more 50-50 in which, you know, both of them are really getting something out of it. And it's not just a one-way thing. And Har- and Harley has a lot more agency in this story as well. I think Sean Murphy definitely, you know, does a good job showing that Joker was extremely abusive. And, you know, while Harleen was able to get out, this newer Harley Quinn has not. You know, she's been uh, victimized by him to the point where, you know, she doesn't really have her own identity anymore. She kind of becomes a Joker 2.0 in order to to get him back, to win him back, you know. She thinks is the love of her life and, you know, kind of the, you know, the sins of his past, as they say, is, is kind of what becomes the ultimate uh, problem in this comedy because, 
you know, he, he kind of has beaten Batman throughout this the, these issues. You know, he, he does kind of win over the people, and, and Batman's really up against the ropes. But, you know, what he did to this new Harley Quinn, you know, causes her to kind of turn on Gotham City uh, and, and start claiming lives, you know, uh, in order to bring him back and, and forces Jack to kind of work with Batman um, in, in a way I don't think he, he intended to, but he understands that, you know, in order to make up for, for his own his own sins and what he's done, he needs to to work with Batman. It's the only way for, for him to do it. And it's Harleen who kind of, uh, I think, really is the hero of the story because without her, I don't think Jack or Batman would be willing to work with one another. She She's kind of the one that gets in between them a lot. And I think they both kind of trust her and care about her uh, very much. And, you know, she's she's kind of the voice of reason, you know, and, and we eventually learn that, that she's the one who, uh, I believe, actually, you know, found this medicine that would cure Jack, right? And, and kind of orchestrated this entire thing to, to, to kind of fix, fix things, to fix Jack, to fix Gotham, um, to, to even help Batman in a way. You know, there's a lot of things that, that Batman, you know, needed, like such as closure on Jason Todd. I think, you know, he's finally able to get it uh, from Jack towards the end. And, and, you know, Harleen's the one that kind of orchestrates a lot of these moves. Uh, and, and without her, there there really wouldn't be probably a you know a happyish ending if you want to call it, or or at least a victory for the for the citizens of Gotham City. Yeah, it seems like this series has all just been a prequel, so he could set up the Harley Quinn story, uh, right? <laughs> because in Curse of the White Knight, she takes on an even bigger role, and Sean Murphy hands the reins to Katana Collins and another artist. Uh, and, you know, he's still very much involved. The art is very similar. You know, the write, the writing is similar as well because he, you know, he worked on the story with Katana Collins, but she's writing it. And it's it's pretty awesome. It's kind of like, you know, Silence of the Lambs. But instead of instead of Clarice Starling, you have Harley Quinn or, or actually instead of Will Graham, you have Harley Quinn because it's like, you know, only she can solve these murders because she has been on, you know, on the side of both, you know, the the as a psychiatrist, you know, she, but she's also seen the criminal element up close and has been part of it. So, you know, it's it's pretty awesome. It's a nice little mystery, and and they they really do a, a fun work with her, and they don't shy away from using, you know, any of the other characters from the story, like Bruce or uh, others. Um, nice. I I have not unfortunately read any of the Harley Quinn comic, but I'd like to. It's on my list. You know, another thing I, I want to bring up here, uh, you know, and I feel like we're really not covering the story as a whole. Like, there are a lot of really great parts in here, so we do encourage you to read them. Like, we're really just doing the, you know. Yeah, the luckily for you, there's not, there's not as many spoilers because we're talking more about themes than uh, Seriously, than right? We really haven't points. gone into, yeah, into anything specific. But, uh, oh, he took this scene directly out of the animated series. Uh, but um, he took a lot of them. Yeah, this idea that that the Joker and and Batman are now going to have to work together. Now, it's against Neo Joker, who was the you know the Harley Quinn, uh, the new Harley Quinn turned uh, you know turned new Joker or whatever. This kind of tells me that that a revolution is probably right because you know Jack makes it a point like he runs for councilman he gets this you know the 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 neighborhood of backport uh, against you know uh you know uh against the elites and and at his back 
you know, by the way, backport, which all of the rich people at Bruce's function, who he ends up punching in the face, because once again, he doesn't know he's doing any of this shit. He's just ignorant. Uh, those rich people call backport blackport uh, because of mm. all the black people that that dominate the, uh, you know, the the the, the community. And Batman doesn't see color. So he <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, once again, huge problem. Batman literally doesn't see color. Uh, but but we see that the, that Joker tries or Jack Napier tries to work within the system. And even then, because of the way Gotham is with its super crime and all this other stuff, like it doesn't work. And th- and so, you know, eventually the Joker has to kind of come back to be able to combat Neo Joker. And and, you know, I think it just shows that, you know, in the end that th- there there has to be a, a, a different way, a different system. And, um, you know, I. It, Joker even says at the very beginning of the story, he tells Batman that, you know, the only reason they accept you is because they're terrified of me. You know, that 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 the idea of chaos is is more threatening than the idea of one man being able to swoop out of the sky at any time to, and beat you know, beating you within, you know, an inch of your life for doing a wrong thing as far as he judges. Uh, you know, but, you know, an- another thing really quick that uh, we kind of touched on, too, is that the super crime that is that is plaguing Gotham is all the more reason for him to share his resources with the GCPD, because he, they're average people, more or less, putting themselves in the way of this super crime. If anything, Batman needs less resources or fewer resources because he has, you know, more know how, you right. know, just just putting that out there. One thing, one thing we didn't we didn't mention was probably uh, uh, Doctor Freeze, right? Yeah, it turns out he was a Nazi, or, or his his family were Nazis. Yeah, I mean, there's I think there's a little more to than just to that. The fact that you know Bruce finds out that his father was working with with Victor, uh, Victor von Freeze, and and you know there's there's a moment I think in the comic where you're not sure if the Waynes were actually Nazis, right, or, or Nazi sympathizers. Um, but but eventually you do learn that Victor uh, himself was not was not a Nazi, you know, and it was a little more complicated than that. And that you know Bruce's father kind of uh, you know g- gave him opportunities to start over and, and try to do some good with the technology that they were using, you know, in Germany. Uh, and and so it wasn't it wasn't as nefarious as it seems. But you know, unfortunately, Victor's technology gets turned into a weapon that Neo Neo Joker uses and uh, you know kind of all the pieces start to come together uh, you know for this for, for it to be you know a wep- weaponized against the city of Gotham itself yeah thank you very much for expounding on that um, you know and uh, you know that's definitely powerful stuff like the thought that you know I mean we'll find out in Curse of the White Knight uh, but the thought that Bruce's family may not be who they who he thought they were and you know we we, we mentioned it in our was it our Grinch episode after the Batman Returns episode <laughs> uh, that you know like it's difficult for people of a certain class to really retain their humanity or retain even a similar level of humanity to what the rest of us are really living you know and I think that the stories that do go into that with Batman are, are really strongest for for highlighting that fact you know Scott Snyder has also made it a point in all of his stories to you know, make it that he Bruce is trying to be more of a philanthropist and, you know, and one of his, you know, one of his sidekicks is actually, a, you know, a, you know, black boy from Gotham whose parents are are driven insane by the Joker. And, 
you know, like Snyder, I think, is trying to make Batman a little more human <laughs> with, with the way he writes him. But, Definitely. you know, for the most part, I, it's just difficult when you do look at the logistics of someone like this. Like, no, I would not want an actual Batman in this world because it could be Jeff Bezos with karate. Like, yeah, I, I mean, like you know, like you said, Duke Duke Thomas, right? In in Scott Snyder's Batman is uh, an ally of of Bruce Wayne's and, and kind of taken under his wing. But in in this story, um, they're very much at odds, you know, because Duke's from uh, he's from Backport, and you know he teams up with Jack. He endorses Jack, and and his you know Duke is Duke's interesting too because he kind of keeps his neighborhood in check, right? He keeps a lot of. Uh, the gangs and 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 some of the criminals from kind of spilling out and and hurting more people and keeps people you know grounded and tries to give them what they need and he re- he realizes that teaming with Jack they can kind of highlight this uh, this you know dirty secret of of keeping all these people you know poor and 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 struggling and kind of make a bigger name of it a bigger show of it and maybe actually get them some help and you know he he chooses to work with Jack there. Uh, and, you know, just to kind of wrap up, I guess, White Knight so we can move on to Curse. You know, at the end, Joker and Batman well, we'll do work. we'll talk to- about that in a sec. I realize it's it's been an hour and we are both tired and a little older than we, than we ever wanted <laughs> to get to. So, but in the, like you said, let's, let's wrap up this part. Let's wrap up White Knight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, Joker does resurface. You know, Jack's not able to keep him at bay. Um, and, you know, he, he does stop. Neo Joker and kind of helps save Gotham City. He even sacrifices himself to save, you know, Harleen. Uh, and he makes some some great choices, even though we do find out that, you know, he was manipulating the city a bit, right? Doesn't he, uh, he destroy, like, the library in Backport and kind of uh, frames it on Batman or, or on the police, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. I know you've read a little more recently. You know, the broad, the broad strokes, and I only want to mention it because it's, it's kind of genius, is uh, that Jack Napier uses Clayface and the Mad Hatter to control the entire super criminal element of Gotham. Yeah. And so he's able to stage these attacks and stuff, uh, you know, which one of those attacks is at the library that, the, that Jack Napier is himself building. You know, I think that he, that he you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back him up. I bet you don't back up Carly Morgenthau for as long as you have, you know, as long as I have on this podcast and not empathize with Jack Napier in this story, uh, because I don't believe he actually takes any lives. He only destroys property. And in doing so, he <laughs> outlines the faults in the system. And that system can also be Batman. He says very specifically that, like, you know, Batman, uh, I don't remember the, the event specifically, but he says like, he says specifically, I won't, that <laughs> like Batman really doesn't care about like, you know, protecting the people or whatever. He really only cares about fighting crime his way. There are multiple times in the story in which, uh, which, which he, he shows that, um, you know, just, and just because you mentioned it, Batman, you know, puts it in Jack Napier's face also. He like, you know, Jack Napier's like, "Listen, like I saved this city. You know, I showed everybody, you know, wh- what what the deal really was and and I, you know, I held the GCPD accountable." And Batman says, "But you broke the law to do it." And Jack Napier goes, "So do you." Like, <laughs> yeah, like, which is, "Come on, man, what the fuck, right?" <laughs> like, <laughs> like people are forgetting that that Jack ne- that that Batman, excuse me, that Batman is the one who's breaking the law in the first place. That his war on crime is not is not above board, that it's technically not even ethical. And, you know, let's bring it back to the police brutality argument, right? 
there's all these questions of, you know, did this person deserve to be shot in, in cold blood? Did they deserve to be killed? Did, what crime did they commit that made them worthy of, of being punished or put down? Doesn't matter. Cops aren't supposed to fucking kill people. They're not the ju- they're not the jury nor the executioner. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're not even the fucking judge. They're supposed to be the taxi ride that gets them behind bars and then to and then to the stand to, you know, for their defense. That's all they're supposed to fucking be. You know, Batman is not supposed to exist. So it doesn't matter exactly what he does right or what he does wrong. Everything he does is technically wrong. And I'm saying that with all the love in my heart, I have two Batman tattoos, people. You have to understand (laughs) that this is coming from a a very loving place. (laughs) But we got to call a speed of speed here. uh, We we do. You know, I I think Jack Napier is totally successful in what he set out to do and that's to highlight the corruption and highlight uh you know batman's faults and and he does so quite well and i i think he actually makes batman a a bruce wayne a better person by the end of the story you know uh bruce has a letter from alfred who who died and he's been afraid to read it and he finally you know kind of as he's been pushing people away in a way in a way he embraces his family at the end right he, he kind of pulls barbara and dick you know a little bit closer and 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 tells them you know what they what they kind of mean to him and they read that letter from alfred together and uh you know he he even reveals himself to jim gordon and tells him his identity um because he realizes he needs to needs to tackle this with a new approach he needs to stop doing things the way he had at the beginning of the story and even though Jack is is loving lost to the Joker, you know the lessons that he kind of taught everyone, including Batman, are, are still there. And uh, you know I think that's kind of, kind of great in that in that regard. You know we definitely see that Jack made a made an impact on this city and and all of the people there, uh, Batman included. Yeah, it very much uh, is reminiscent, at least to me, of the. Uh... 2020 Sanders campaign uh, you know, <laughs> like I, I think I think there were a lot of uh, you know there are a lot of comparisons to be drawn between Jack Napier and Sanders and the biggest one right now is that they both failed ultimately uh, right. they both had to unite with an enemy in order to defeat what they considered to be a more unknown and larger enemy you know at least at least you know Napier showed the citizens of Gotham that the power really is in their hands and that they right. don't have to be afraid they don't have to depend on a single person to protect their city that's i mean no you're you're right i mean the way bernie sanders kind of made socialism and and medicare for all like household conversations uh you know jack napier kind of did the same and you know and, and curse we we ultimately see what what became of of you know the things he did but uh, yeah, I guess you're right. He did in a way fail. He wasn't able. He wasn't able to do this all without working with Batman. You know, uh, he had to give in and, and kind of do that. Yeah, he did. Just like <laughs> Bernie had to work with fucking Biden. God damn it. Bernie, no. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, dude. This the, my favorite thing about this uh, story as a whole. Do you do you do you want to just try and do curse next week? Because it's up to you. I don't care. Or we right, don't even have you... to do curse. I mean, we this all 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 cur- curse is literally the same story, but also how do we treat our vets? That's I mean, yeah, it's, that's, it's that's very true. The it's same the same story. And the Bruce Wayne family stuff is good. I like I like that a lot. It it is it is. Does it speak to any social political? Eh, maybe maybe it does. It does, but you know we don't necessarily have to go into it. Well, you know, we'll do a poker. We'll, we'll keep them guessing. Be like, next week we'll either do Curse of the White Knight or Batman Begins. <laughs> 
figure it out, fuckers. <laughs> uh, we're going to make you work as the listener of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this story, my favorite thing about it is that it really just, you know, it sparks this discussion, it sparks this dialogue, and I think that it also causes us to question our heroes, which if we go back to the very beginning of this podcast while we were just talking about stuff, that's what we have to do. Even if you mm -hmm. see someone as a hero, you still have to question them and hold them accountable, and that is what this story is all about. It's about yeah. holding No one's man. above reproach, right? Not no one, not one single person. Exactly, exactly. I think it succeeds in telling that story. And, you know, I think that, the, you know, there isn't really a police brutality storyline in here, but I think once again, all you have to do is look at Batman as the police and it's there. Uh, you know, there, Bullock even says like, you know, if, if he were wearing a badge, you would have had him booked for assault. You know, but also the Gotham Police Department has had multiple issues with it, which they do bring up. And they say that Gordon was kind of cleaning up the department, you know, but it's still it's still difficult. And it shows because the people are so ready to rally behind Napier. In a way, he kind of also, I don't know, he had, I, I got some Fred Hampton vibes kind of. Mm. Just in just in the whole like backport idea, you know, right, right. kind of like it was Rainbow Coalition-y to me. Gotcha. Yeah, I feel that. So, uh, so, so I'm I'm for that, guys. Gals, two spirits, non-binary, friends of the podcast, friends of the podcast, and even enemies. Uh, next week <laughs> we will uh, probably cover some of Curse of the White Knight because, in all honesty, I know this host would uh, would would need to just watch a review video in order to, <laughs> in order to 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 get the important parts down. It, which is what he also kind of had to do for this one. It just so helps that I fucking love this story. And, a lot of it stuck with me um, as well. But yeah, and uh, and also probably Batman Begins. So that's next week. We're going to be doing the Nolan movies this month. You know, as a Batman fan, these movies were kind of what solidified the idea of what Batman was supposed to be, uh, at least the first two. And then I did a lot of comic book-related research in between, and uh, that's what allowed me to be very disappointed in the third. Are we doing these as, uh, as individuals, or are we still doing it as one whole thing? But yeah, so, so yeah, I was just thinking every week, except uh, we'll see how next week goes with Curse of the White Knight, folks. Uh, but uh, but uh, but you you have you have all been absolutely awesome. If you want to know where to find us, you can get us on uh, you know YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review, please. Makes a huge difference. Helps us in the in the algorithm. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at PolitipopPod, Instagram at PolitipopPodcast. You can even email us at PolitipopCast at gmail.com. Uh, to buy those uh, Sean Murphy signed issue one of of uh, Batman White Knights, <laughs> to buy my uh, my illegal Wandavision shirt, <laughs> <laughs> or just to let us know how much you hate the fucking podcast. You can find our show notes and sources at politipoppodcast.wordpress.com. And as always, folks, a uh, special thanks to all of you and to Antonia Hava for logo design, whose cat seems to be on the mend. Woo! All right. Uh, Good. Uh, for the Politipop Podcast, I have been Mike Booch. I have been Ty. And remember, no matter what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to, please never stop thinking, never stop learning, and always remember to read between the lines. And see. Thank you. Terry! All right. <laughs> I, uh, the whole episode, I should have been going, all right, everybody, so here's why Jack Napier... <laughs>